Hey everyone, welcome back to the Career Medis Podcast. This is your host, Nisar Ahmed. This is episode 104 of the Career Medis Podcast and this episode is part of the Career Expert Series. If you're joining us for the first time, what we do is on our publication, careermedis.com and even on the podcast, we focus on providing career advice for job seekers and freelancers. That's the goal of our brand. And um, what I mean by the Career Expert Series is in these series, I bring on guests who are professionals, career coaches, uh, they help job seekers and uh, in finding their ideal job. They also help young professionals in crafting a great career and they, they practice. And here in this interview series, I get to, we get to pick their brains and they share their ideas. And for today's expert series episode, our guest is Thea Kelly. She has a wide extensive amount of certifications. For example, she's a certified employment interview consultant, CIC, certified professional resume writer, CPRW, global career development facilitator, GCDF, online professional networking strategist. She keeps up to date through memberships in career thought leaders and professional association of resume writers and career coaches, which is short for PARWCC. And she's also the author of The Quick and Complete Guide to a Winning Interview. So based on that introduction, I know I haven't done real justice. I've just read her high-level overview. There's a lot of, she's heavily involved. And I'm sure myself and the audience can learn a lot. So hey, Tia, this is Nisar here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Nisar. I'm honored to be on the podcast. I know your show makes a difference for your listeners. Thank you. And um, we would love to learn more. But before we get started, a question I always ask is like a fun question at the beginning is, where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is where I have my office. I work with clients nationwide mm-hmm. uh, in the Bay Area. I see them in person sometimes. And I also I work, work, work with people all over the U.S. via Skype and via telephone and email, providing one-on-one help to them through any part of their job search, whether it's figuring out how to just plan a good, effective, up-to-date search and use the best practices and get faster results, or whether it's working with them on their resumes or their LinkedIn profiles and so on. All kinds of people, all occupations, all levels. That sounds good. So just before we get into that, I want to learn a lot of lot about your profile, your experience, and how you help others. You mentioned you're from the San Francisco Bay Area. San Francisco is not a city that really needs an introduction. I mean, no matter where anyone is from the world, they know uh, where it is. And uh, a lot of innovation comes out of the city or that area itself. But I wanted to ask you this question. For those of us who have never been there or are not quite familiar, what's a fun fact that you would like to share with the audience? A fun fact. Well, one thing that stands out for me, because I didn't come from this area, I moved here from the LA area, Los Angeles is that the San Francisco is a very small city for its big reputation. It's really only, I don't know, a few miles across. And something fun about it, oh, I don't know, Golden Gate Park is awfully beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
It's a good place to live. I love it. There's hills nearby, places to walk. It's a great place. That's great, actually. I did, I did not know that it was a small city. Some reason I get the image that it's, it must be as big as New York. You know, because you know you keep hearing about San Francisco all the time. So yeah, well, high population density, but actually, Oakland across the bay actually takes up a lot more space. Hmm. And um, I live very close to Berkeley, which hmm. also has a very big reputation. But Berkeley is only about a mile across. You can walk across Berkeley in about 45 minutes. Wow. So pretty little places, but the, the Bay Area overall is big. Silicon Valley stretches mm-hmm. out. Far, and, and it's all big in its impact. Yeah. Okay. So good place to be. You know, I forgot to mention something about my practice and how people can interact with me is sure. uh, I also have a blog. It's it's a uh, job search tips. And every week I publish a new article on some facet of job search to help people with their job search. And I am right now giving away a free gift to anyone who goes to my website and signs up for my blog. And the free gift is a report on how to stand out in your job search. Very detailed help on how to stand out from other candidates, how to know what's special about you and communicate that. Something we're going to be talking about also during this podcast. And to get that free, well, I'll tell at the end of, at the, end of the podcast, I'll tell exactly how they can get that free gift. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that as well. And that topic is exactly what we're going to cover today. But for the help, for the benefit of the audience, it will be great if you can also learn a little bit about yourself. Especially, I'm very curious how your story, how you came to what you're doing today. I did read off a few of your certifications, which is amazing, but I don't, th- I don't think that really did a good justice because I've seen your profile. And yeah, if you can share a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've come to job search coaching from a background as a writer and an editor, some of it at nonprofit organizations doing uh, newsletters or manuals and whatnot. And some of those nonprofits were concerned with helping people get jobs. And that was back in the 90s. And so since about 99, I've been applying my background in helping people communicate better to employers. So it's almost as if I'm editing their interview answers and helping them polish up their their written materials as well. And I've taught uh, job search skills with an outplacement firm that's a division of ADECO teaching laid-off managers and staff how to create more effective resumes and interview communications and so on. And about 10 years ago, I started my own business, working with a broad spectrum of professionals one-on-one. So I have a curious question. I mean, is this something that when you finished college or when you were just getting started in your career, is this something that you envisioned that all these years later you will be doing this? No, it really came as kind of a surprise. Like I said, everything I've always done has revolved around communication and writing and that sort of thing. But at a certain point, I was working as a corporate trainer. And in 2008, when the big recession started, I was part of a large reduction in force at that company. I was let go. And as I was job searching, I thought, well, while I'm at it, I might as well help people with their resumes, just do a little sideline work. And I discovered I liked that a whole lot more than I liked the jobs I was interviewing for. So ever since then, I've just done this. Definitely not what I planned, but it's very rewarding because I'm really helping people. Uh, the reason I asked that, Tia, is because one of the common themes, I've, this is episode 104. So I've, done, I've had similar conversations. And most of the time, I think in almost every case, it has been nonlinear where 
nobody really envisioned this is where they want to be, but over time they get to this point. So that's why I asked. Uh, Moving on to the conversation, because you are a job search expert, you specialize in this. I wanted to start off by asking this question. You said you help individuals across the U.S., North America. So I'm curious, like what are, when they come to you or when they, when you start engaging with them, what, what are some of the common themes or challenges you're, fa- you're seeing that job seekers are facing today? Okay. There are some newer challenges like the way employers are looking up candidates online. For instance, that wasn't always the truth, the, the case. And uh, most people aren't quite doing the greatest job at taking advantage of that and having a good online presence. But a lot of the challenges people are facing are the same ones they've always had, which is partly just knowing how to sell themselves, how to market themselves. The vast majority of professionals are much better at doing their job than at convincing someone else how good they are at doing their job. And in a lot of cases, it's because they're too modest or they just don't really like their own horn, as we say. In other cases, it's because they don't understand how to focus the conversation on the things that are most important. And they may go into the interview process just kind of passively, or, or they may do this on their resume and whatnot as well, just kind of generally putting everything down there, but not knowing how to really emphasize what's most important. And so what they find is that they apply to jobs online and they don't hear back. And that's partly because of that lack of focus, but it's also partly because that's the hardest way to get a job is just applying to things online. And another difficulty I find people have would be that they're interviewing and they're not getting the offers, but they don't know why. And they're asking the employer afterwards or the recruiter, can you tell me how I did? Can you tell me whether I did well or what I, or, you know, maybe they've already been turned down and they're saying, can you tell me why I was turned down? And employers generally don't want to give much feedback on that. Sometimes third-party recruiters will give you the feedback because they're coaching you and they want to help you get the job and because there's no risk to them. But employers don't like to tell you how you did or give you feedback because they don't want to start an argument. They don't want to risk saying something that could sound discriminatory, and it's just not their job to help you with that. So people can be left not, not having any idea why they're not getting the offer. And so I work with people partly to, to spot that in our mock interviewing and say, here's what I think it might be, and partly just to improve their skills overall so that whatever it is that was stopping them, they're doing a much better job now. Did that kind of answer your question? Uh, yes, it does. And th- thanks for uh, covering the few different things, a few different points there. One thing that really stood out and I wrote this down and it's, it's one of those things that is obvious, but you don't really think about it. You mentioned something and it's, you basically mentioned that the vast majority are really good at what they do, but they're not good at convincing others that they are very good. So that's actually, uh, I mean, for example, if you take any career, people specialize in different skills, but doing a job interview is not something people do every day, but their job, they do it every day. Yes, and they have extensive training on how to do their job well, but most people don't have any training in how to do a job search well. And it's as if you think that you're just, you know, that those skills are inborn, but they're really not. There's a lot to be learned about it. So that brings me uh, to the next question, which is natural to what I just asked, is you talked about the challenges. 
when you what are some of the things you you suggest they fix so they could be very effective in their job search yes okay so one thing is in order for you to be more for job seekers to be more proactive and really know what messages you want to get across you need to realize that job search first of all is about standing out there's a tendency to feel it's about proving you're qualified but you have so much competition that's also qualified that the question is not, are you basically qualified, but what makes you special and different? And it's like marketing and sales in that same way. You or your time and your expertise are like a product. You're competing against other products. And you may notice that in the marketing of products, they don't run a magazine ad where they show you all the features of the product, every last one of them. Instead, they pick one or two things about it to emphasize, to make it stand out. So you need to know what are the things that are going to make you stand out, the differentiators, or you could think of them as key selling points or your unique selling proposition, your brand. And it may be one thing. It may be three things. It may be five things. If it's more than five, you're beginning to create a blur in the interviewer's mind. Obviously, in the course of your whole resume or your whole interview, you are going to say more than five things about yourself, but you want to emphasize one, maybe three, maybe five, your key selling points. You want to vividly, you want to know what those are and then vividly communicate them in your resume and your cover letter, your LinkedIn profile and your interview. So the question is, how do you identify them? Sometimes mm, I meet with people and they say, I have no idea what makes me stand out. Or sometimes they have some ideas what might make them stand out. And some of those things really work from somebody else's point of view, and some of them don't really. You have to put yourself in the interviewer's or or the employer's shoes. So let's look at how you can identify what makes you stand out, what's special about you. Sure. You need to ask yourself certain questions about yourself. Like, for instance, are you the go-to person in your office for something in particular? And maybe it's not even necessarily the thing you were hired for, or that's only part of it. Maybe you're on a team of, say, five software engineers, but you're the one who's the go-to for a certain kind of coding. Maybe you are, so I think you get the point. What is it that people are seeking you out for? What do you do better than the people around you? What have your employers and coworkers most appreciated about you? If you were to ask them, you know, how did, how did I make a special contribution? What, what did you always know you could count on me for? Those kind of things. What do, you, do you have any skills or qualifications that are hard to find? And also look at your accomplishment. Sometimes an accomplishment can be a key selling point. I'm a person who increased revenue 50% at my company by doing this or that. So ask yourself, what are my most impressive accomplishments over the last few years? And in doing this, I find that people, there are, there are some kinds of key selling points that work better than others. And I find the key selling points that work the best are those that have what I call REV, R-E-V. They are highly relevant, in other words, very much in demand. They are things that are exceptional, that not everybody has, and they're things that are verifiable. They're facts. Or if they're personal qualities, then they are personal qualities that are backed up with a lot of evidence. So let me mention a few examples of possible key selling points to illustrate what I mean. 
So let's say you are or want to be a customer success manager in a tech firm. So you'd be in charge of working closely with customers who bought the product and providing support and training to make sure they remain a happy customer. So you might be thinking that your key selling points are, one, you've got a certain number of years experience of progressively responsible experience in customer success, taking on more responsibility all the time. That's a great key selling point because it's very relevant. It may be exceptional in that not everybody has a strong track record of of promotions and not everybody has many years experience and it's verifiable. It's a fact and they can check it on a background check. So maybe another key selling point is you have more technical background than most other people in your field. Great. That also works. Maybe another thing is you're a great relationship builder. Okay. That's extremely re relevant in this occupation that I mentioned customer success as well as in many others. Yeah, chances are you as a listener realize that good relationships are important in your field as well. That is not a good key selling point unless it has revs. So is it relevant? Yes. Is it exceptional? If you're exceptionally good at it, yeah. Is it verifiable? That's the tricky part because it's just your opinion until you have somebody else publicly vouching for you about it. In other words, LinkedIn recommendations or being referred to an employer by someone else who's saying that you're great at that. Or you can verify it, so to speak, by having a really good story to tell about it, something that you accomplished by having building great relationships. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for giving that example as well. I think you're going to finish your thought, so I'll come back to my thought. So what, what were you going to say? I was just going to give a few other examples, but just super briefly, some of your other things you might think would be key selling points might be hardworking and being a good communicator. Again, you have to look at these things and say, what's my, how am I going to verify this? And is this really exceptional? Like being hardworking. In some, some occupations, that's not really unusual. So look at your key selling points, make a big long list of them, and then go through each one and ask, does it have relevant, exceptional, and verifiable does it have that going for it? And prioritize the ones that do have that. That's how you narrow down your list of those top things that are really going to give you a lot of bang for your buck in your job search messaging. So if I can summarize what he just said in two different points, I was listening to this, taking some notes. One of the things you mentioned is before you do anything, before you start applying and before you get into the job search, do a lot of introspection, self-analysis. Essentially, you summarize that as key selling points because that's different. I don't think a lot of candidates really do that. Let's say for some unforeseen reason, they're laid off today. They just start creating a resume and start applying, right? And I'm just thinking myself, like, for example, if I did this exercise of coming up with the key selling points, it not only helps with the resume, but also with the interviews because you have like a cheat sheet of things to talk about. And that's actually the key. The reason I'm repeating that is because I can tell like being on, I've done, I've been a candidate. I've also been on the other side interviewing candidates as well. A lot of candidates do not really do that. They do not spend the time to do analysis and introspection. Right. And then you're leaving it up to the employer to figure out how you're special. But really, you might as well do that yourself. Otherwise, it's like, it's like you're trying to market a product without having decided what's special about it. Uh, and you, the second thing you mentioned was the word verifiable. I wrote that down as well because you're right. I mean, gone are the days when everybody used to throw all these keywords and buzzwords such as hardworking, attention to detail. These are just words. But if you are able to come up with 
verifiable incidences or even numbers or quantify them, it makes it more appealing. And that makes, that makes sense because that's another thing I see in a lot of resume. Everybody's good at team player. Everybody is good at organization skills and everybody's a hard worker. So what you're saying is make it more, is this fair to say make it more quantifiable than qualitative? That's definitely a good way to verify it. You make it more verifiable. Yeah. It's about making it more real. Yeah. Specific, concrete and quantifying is a great way to do that. Okay. That's awesome. So the, the, the advantage of this process is it helps you with your resume preparation because it helps you give a call. But I, I want, I mean, it gets, it helps you to get a call. You mentioned something that, which I wanted to come back to you is like, okay, it's good to prepare the resume, the interview. You mentioned at the beginning that one of the challenges a lot of candidates have, they are not good at having a strong online presence. Could you expand on that? Yes. One reason that's important for a candidate in most occupations is that once you have sent in your resume for something, if the employer is somewhat interested in you, one of the first things they're going to do is go look you up on LinkedIn. Not every time, but often. Many employers will do this. And when they go to LinkedIn, they're looking for social proof, which means evidence that you are as good as you say. So they're looking at, do you have recommendations above all? Are people saying some good things about you? They're also just looking for any additional facts that give them more of a feel of who you are as a person. They're looking for a feeling of getting to know you. And, you know, we always trust people more when we kind of feel like we know them. And that's part of the reason why having a photo, a good photo, smiling, on your LinkedIn profile is much more valuable than most people realize because it makes people feel they know and trust you. They also are likely to Google somebody and just see what comes up. And for a lot of people, an online presence doesn't have to be very elaborate and extensive. If you just have a good LinkedIn profile, that right away puts that positive stuff at the top of whatever comes up about you or about people with the same name as you. So that's another thing about a LinkedIn profile is it kind of can help the employer sort through what's online that's really about you and what's just somebody with the same name. That's a big issue I don't even want to get into in depth. But beyond that, you can even take that further. And if you're in a communications field or a tech field, you might want to go a little further than just having a LinkedIn profile. You might also want to look at your other social media and make sure if you are on other social media, not just that there's nothing dumb there that's going to make you look bad, but also whether there's something there that makes you look good, things that are perhaps career related. You also could think about having a blog and not a personal blog where you just talk about your vacations, but maybe one where you write little posts about conferences you've been to or things you've learned, or projects you've been working on, or interesting books you've read that are in any way career-related. All of that can really support your brand. You could um, have a video on YouTube of you either delivering a lecture, maybe something you've done at Toastmasters or at a conference, or it's maybe you talking about how to do something that you do on the job. So these are ways you can take it further, but if you don't want to do all that, and for most people, that's probably more than they do want to do, just at least make sure your social media all looks decent and, and respectable and supports your brand and that you have a good LinkedIn profile. 
Um, is there more you'd like to go into about that? No, that actually summarizes that ex- exactly. Because I mean, the reason I brought that up is not because even today, uh, I'm surprised by the number of candidates who have, do not have a picture on the LinkedIn profile and who do not have a completed LinkedIn profile. The advantage of LinkedIn is it makes it easy for you. Like it actually has, it, it, it actually guides you in filling out your profile. It tells you what you need to fill out. And also speaking of blog, even LinkedIn provides that as well. For free, you can start publishing articles on LinkedIn. I've heard of candidates who've actually written, not candidates, individuals who've actually filled, written their stories or information on LinkedIn and then started building their brand and now they started new careers. So, I mean, yeah. it's the reason I wanted to highlight that is it's easy. I mean, it's not, I, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's simple and the tools are there, yet individuals do not do it. Yeah, it's easy to do a decent job of it. To do a really stellar job of it, you need some expert help. And then that's something to think about. But, you know, I only mentioned it in terms of employer who's already kind of interested in you and looking there to see if they can find out more about you. I, I skipped over a couple of really important things, which is another great reason to be on LinkedIn and to have a really good profile is very often recruiters simply go straight to LinkedIn to source people to look for what they call passive candidates. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're very interested in, in hiring people who may not even be actively looking. So they go in there and they do a keyword search. And if your profile is keyword optimized, in other words, you've got the right keywords in the right places in your profile, you've got a good chance of hearing from recruiters. And I know the first thought a lot of people have is, yeah, I hear from recruiters with insurance salesman jobs, and I'm not an insurance salesman. And I hear from them with this and that that isn't appropriate. But if your profile is optimized, along with all that junk, you will also probably get some hits from recruiters who have jobs that you will be interested in. And if you get 10 that aren't suitable and then one that is and becomes your new career, then it was definitely worth ignoring those other messages. And then, uh, of course, I've left out also the whole networking function of LinkedIn, the whole fact that you can find people through LinkedIn to get introduced to to do informational interviews with, therefore, mm-hmm. build contacts within country um, companies that you're particularly interested in. You can use LinkedIn to find out who the people you know, who they know, because they may not realize when you tell them, even if you say, hey, I'm looking for a job, let me know if you hear of anything. That's, that's really, you know, barely networking. What's really networking is to take a look at their profile and see who they know and say, hey, I I just noticed you know so-and-so. I wonder if you might be willing to introduce me to them so that I could talk to them about this company that they used to work for. And that's when you're really likely to begin to build a a grapevine Mm -hmm. of people who are giving you useful information and people who also are beginning to know about you and could then contact you later and say, you know, I know you were looking for an opportunity and blah, blah, blah. And I heard, I heard of one or they might be telling their boss, you know, oh, you're looking for this kind of specialist. You know, I talked to somebody like that a few weeks ago. So that's the more of the value of what LinkedIn can do. And thanks for covering that because those are extra options that people typically do not think about. So thanks for going in depth. One of the final points that I want to cover is at the beginning, you did mention that one of the big challenges you have, you come across is candidates are interviewing and they're not getting feedback. I mean, they're not, I mean, if it's easy to know that you have not got the job or got the job. Of course, they will tell you or they won't tell you, but not getting feedback is a common theme. And what is, what is in your experience, what is a good remedy for that? What, what can candidates do 
to be preemptive. So as I mentioned, third-party recruiters can, that is a recruiter that doesn't work for the company you're trying to work for, but that works for recruiting firms, a headhunter firm. They can often give you some feedback. Another thing you can do is do mock interviews, whether this is with a friend or a colleague or a career coach, and get some feedback from them. Even just recording yourself as a video recording using your computer or using your phone, it can be surprisingly a learning experience. You'll see things you're doing that you didn't realize. And I do, of course, I know I'm biased, but I do recommend that people, if they're serious about their career, get interview coaching because I've never met anybody who's interviewing I couldn't very greatly improve, and it's one of the most valuable career skills you can have. But if you don't want to do that, work with it on your own. There are good books out there. There's mine. There are other good books. Read up on it, and you'll find that there's so much that you didn't know. And do those mock interviews. Thank you very much, Tia. You have shared a lot of great ideas, and I want to make sure the audience has an opportunity to learn more about you After listening to this, if they wanted to learn more and connect with you, what are some of the best options? Okay, my website is jobsearchandinterviewcoach.com, jobsearchandinterviewcoach.com. They can reach me through that. They can click the free consultation button and arrange to talk with me about their particular situation. Also, my blog is a page on that website, and to go straight to it, they would use the URL greatjobsooner.com because it's called the Great Job Sooner blog. And as I mentioned, you can get a free gift for subscribing to that. When you get there, you'll see a big button that says get a free gift, and you just click that and follow the instructions. And actually, there's a second free gift as well besides the one I mentioned, the report on how to stand out in in your interviews. There's another free gift as well, and that will be a surprise. You'll find out when you click and do that. Greatjobsooner.com. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Before we wrap up, any last words that you'd like to share with the audience? Yes. There is so much about job search that is within your control. And by learning how to do it better, you really can get a better job and get it a lot sooner. So you can do it. Just get smart, learn about it, put in the work. That's a great way to summarize. Tia, thank you very much for joining us, sharing your wisdom. I learned some new ideas that you brought up. So it was a pleasure having you on the show. Likewise, I've really enjoyed it myself. Let's do it again sometime. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to yet another episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Tia's website and the resources that she has mentioned during the episode If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is your host, Nisar Ahmad. Thank you.